top bins, top tier commentary. Top drawer, upper 90. You already down. know. You it's more already know. I think that's how it always goes. Like 45 minutes, and we were at like Chelsea. What are we doing? Um, I'm Dominic Ponteri. I am Matt Kessler. And we are here to talk about Champions League soccer today. Hey, it's Top Ben's time. What's up? We're back. Welcome back to Top Bins, the show where we break down soccer action in England and Italy. It is the international break edition. I am Matt, joined by my host, well, my co-host. He's just as much of a host as I am. We're not gonna, we're not gonna delineate there. My friend, my great friend, my eternal co-host, Dominic. Dom, how are you doing? Hey, man, I'm good, man. I'm really good. Just, just finished eating. Um, it's been a good day. Uh. You know, ready, ready, to, ready to do the damn thing and talk some soccer, man. Talk it some was, footy. It was a nice day. It was our first chilly day of the year. Both of us, I think, cooked very hot dinners as a result of that. It is the international break, and whenever there is one, we like to do a little more uh, of a fun episode, uh, some kind of exercise where we test our brain a little bit. Last time, if you're curious, we randomized some teams and built out teams from England and Italy using uh, very random squads. That was a lot of fun to do. I think we both really enjoyed that. This time we wanted to look, uh, you know, this time of year, everyone starts getting a little nostalgic looking backwards. And I thought that we could maybe just take a look back at the last 10 years and see what are just some of the, the best seasons that maybe some of them we, we haven't really talked about much either. Uh, quite a few of these, I think, maybe uh, were stuck in people's minds, stuck in the past a little bit. But obviously, if we look back at the ten, <laughs> at the, the last ten years and look at just the the best seasons, it's going to be all Ronaldo and Messi seasons, of course. Uh, so we wanted to look at the what we thought were the best five seasons uh, by an individual player over the last decade, excluding Ronaldo and Messi, because again. We know that those two would just be, you know, trading off seasons if we were doing it that way. Maybe in a future episode, that might be something we investigate. I think that could be fun. But for this international break, we're just looking at five of, in our opinion, what were the best uh, individual seasons that we've had over the last 10 years. Obviously, this heavily favors forwards. That's going to be this entire list. Again, in the future, not ruling out a midfielder or defender episode. That will just require a little bit more research, a little more time to do. Attackers are a little more straightforward in terms of their impact. There are going to be snubs on this list. There is going to be arguments to be made for players that maybe should be in there. Uh, I think there, there's always going to be a reasonable debate. I think we chose a pretty good five. I think there's also reason to debate guys that you think maybe should be on this list. And maybe some of these players might even have seasons you could debate, might even be better. But uh, we tried to, our very best to, to bring you the best five that we could. I'm not going to lead it anymore. No more headlines. We're going to start right away with a season that I think is fresh in everyone's mind because it just happened last season, last year. Robert Lewandowski with his 2020-2021 season in which he broke Gerd Müller's record of 41 league goals. He broke Gerd Müller's 40-goal record. He got 41 in the league. Uh, this was coming off the back of what was already a really strong season for Lewandowski. You know, he obviously wins the Champions League final with Bayern Munich, and it felt like everything was kind of building towards his Ballon d'Or. Obviously, with COVID, that uh, presentation gets canceled. Um, and now for this Ballon d'Or cycle, he still is very much in the running. Seems like someone who could definitely win off the back of this season. He's had a fantastic last two years. Really, his entire career has been great uh, ever since his debut at, at Dortmund. But this was just, I think, the peak of, of his powers. Uh, he is just a fantastic striker. I think he's been one of the best forwards in the game in the last few years, and it's hard to debate that anymore. And when you break a long-standing record like this by one of the best goal scorers in history, 
it's hard to debate that there's been a, a better individual season. Um, in a few of these, you're you know you're going to get close to what were peak Messi Ronaldo numbers. Uh, so Robert Lewandowski last year he had 41 league goals and seven assists, which is just nutty, uh, like absolutely crazy numbers. And he was also pretty good in the Champions League, although Bayern uh, slightly underwhelming in the Champions League last year. He only had five goals. I should say only five goals in the Champions League. Oh, God. Yeah, I think the, the biggest thing with him last year is he did have an injury, which I think makes the goal scoring even more impressive. Um, they do get bounced out of the Champions League because of that injury. He's not available for that uh, that tie with PSG. And there were some other injuries in that uh, Bayern squad. So it would have been intriguing to see with them fully healthy, how he kind of performs, maybe, you know, things are a little different. Dom, what did you make of Lewandowski's season last year? I mean, this is why people consider him to be the best number nine in the, in the world. You know what I mean? Like, he's, he's absolutely ridiculous. He's been doing it. And, and uh, <clears throat> it's kind of, I guess, getting more light shined on it now you know given the fact that you know like Messi and Ronaldo are kind of in that decline like they're in the latter stages of their career and Lewandowski is still like right on you know in his prime out right on the outside of his prime where he's still you know doing it and and for for people that try to discredit him and say oh he's playing in Germany he has no real you know competition and he's doing it in the Champions League too he gets it done I mean, you're talking about the same guy that now this isn't the same year that we're talking about, but you're talking about a guy in a Champions League game that scored five goals and, and within what nine minutes or four goals and nine that minutes. Was in, or that like was that was in the that was in Bundesliga. Oh, excuse me, but no, I I could have sworn there was a Champions League game where he he scored at least like two goals within like thirty seconds a minute of each other. Like, regardless, he he does it all the time, and he's been doing it for for quite some time, and and. You know, it, it, it seems like he just keeps getting better recently. And and 21 or 2020-2021 season was just, you know, the the pinnacle of it so far. Yeah, I, I think this was, was clearly his best season so far. And a goal scorer like him, too, to, to kind of as he ages, continue to improve the way he does. Speaks a lot. You know, a lot has been made, too, of like what he does off the field as well in terms of his focus on exercise. And I know his TikTok dances TikToks. are funny. His TikToks are funny, of course. I think that uh, opens people up to his personality. But on there, too, you see, like... The things he does to take care of himself that I think go beyond just like what you do in terms of preparation for a match. Um, he's, I, I think, just a great testament to how taking care of yourself off the field can really, you know, just produce amazing results for you. Um, I think it also speaks volumes as to like what Byron does as a club as well with their players and their training staff. Because, I mean, you see the memes all the time. Like, what what is Byron putting in the food of their players? Because you, you see like what happened with like Goretzka when he first signed with Byron and, and what he became, like how much muscle he's put on the same thing with like Lewandowski, same thing with a few other players. So I think, I think, you know, credit to both Robert and, and as well as Byron, because what they, what they do over there, you know, keeping those players healthy and the longevity of the players, you're talking about a club where like uh, Frank Ribéry and Iron Robin had much success into the later stages of their careers. Yeah. Frank Ribéry's uh, third place Ballon d'Or season was one that I was considering, uh, but it's just hard to contend with some of these other great years. Uh, back to the Lewandowski season, he had five hat tricks, which is just an insane, bonkers number. Uh, in one season, to have five hat tricks is crazy. Some people will be lucky. Some very good strikers will be lucky to have that for their career. Uh, he had that just uh, in one season, and I found this interesting. From February to the end of the season in May. Uh, Obviously, he had a, an injury window there, but he scored a goal in every game he started in. He goes on just an insane run. And I think what's so impressive about him, too, is he comes back from the injury. And obviously, you know, everyone was talking about the fact that he had the ability to, to break Gerd Müller's record. Obviously, Gerd Müller also sadly passes away uh, last year. So there's some extra emotion to, to that kind of challenge, of course. Um comes back from that injury and, and, and just goes on an absolute like scoring like run uh he returns and and you know it was just it's just putting him away for fun and obviously the league was tied up for them but i think um i think for me it's just one of the most impressive seasons i've ever seen purely from just a 
technical level from a machine like level the way the, the way he finds positioning the box i was watching all these goals back and so often he just finds himself in the right place and it's just the positional awareness the spatial awareness by him he also has one of the best assisters and again someone that's been completely under the radar and thomas muller uh in what he's been able to do in terms of creation uh he's you know be able to link up with Lewandowski a lot so i, I did this for every player um, and this was also interesting. He did this in 29 league games too. You know, he misses some time. The fact that, you know, Germany obviously does have a shorter season than most other uh, big leagues, but in 29 games to get 41 goals in your top flight division is just frankly obscene. Like that yeah. is, that yeah. is a ridiculous figure to, to get to. I really can't overstate that enough. I think it's, it's going to stand the test of time. And I think the further we get away from this season, the more we will appreciate how ridiculous it was he broke a very long standing record to get this Is that like 1.77 goals per game or something like that just crazy <laughs> is that right, right there. i think uh i think you're you're close to the number yeah oh wow my math is crazy <laughs> i sure hope it is um I did this for every player and some players it's a little harder to parse, you know, because not everyone has the big dramatic moment, but I tried to put together, you know, the biggest moment or maybe their best performance of the season uh, in each of these respective uh, years that we're going to talk about. Um, this, this was the one that, that I came up with, but you know, there could, there could be others. I think you could obviously say his actual goal that breaks the record is his biggest moment. And I think that's fair to say, I think it was his hat trick against Borussia Mönchengladbach uh, in the the late stage of the season, which really put him on track to be able to break the record feasibly. You know, when he came back from injury, he kind of had a big hill to go up towards to be able to have a shot at the record. And it's that hat trick that I think really not only gives him obviously the numbers, but I think the confidence as well. Not that he needed it at that point, um, but you know, I, I just think it was a fantastic performance, and uh, you know, really just capped off what an amazing player he is and what an amazing season he had, um, and just the habit that he has of in big games putting on big performances. One of the earliest Lewandowski memories I have is him in that uh, Real Madrid game against when he was playing on Dortmund. Uh, where he had four goals. I actually I rewatched that as part of my research here, and I I'm just constantly in awe of his ability to raise his level to the game that that it, it requires, and that is a very Ronaldo and Messi quality. There's another player in this that I think has a very same, and I think are you know if you're talking about if you're removing Ronaldo and Messi from the conversation, who are the best players of the last ten years? I think these two, Robert Lewandowski is you know one A one B with this other guy that we'll talk about in a little bit. Um, it's actually nutty because a lot of people don't believe that. And I just don't get it. And I, I think it's because he's not he's not Neymar, right? So he's not like this flashy player. And he's not like an Mbappe type either where you're like seeing him break lines all the time. And like he like, but he has the ability to constantly get you goals. And that is like, it, I can't explain it any more than that. His technical ability low is low key flashy, but he he's very, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? He's very efficient with it. You know what I mean? He's not doing it just to do it, you know, kind of like a Neymar, especially younger Neymar. The reason that Neymar broke onto the scene, aside from being like Brazilian, is the fact that he was doing all this flashy stuff. And, and but when you watch Lewandowski, you know, the back heels are there. You know, some of the, some of the dribble moves are there. But he does it with a purpose. And, and, and that's what I think kind of, you know, lets him just always get himself in on goal and find these scoring opportunities. And, and, and nobody knows how to stop it. Sometimes we all just need to wind down after a long day of enjoying our favorite sports teams go to work. And with the rise of streaming platforms, new TV shows and movies are popping up every single week. And it might be overwhelming not knowing exactly what to watch. Well, that's where streamer season comes in. The exclusive streaming platform discussion podcast for TV and movies on the Underground Sports Philadelphia podcast network. Join me, KB, and a plethora of our hosts right here at USP breaking down all the new TV and movies that you guys should be watching across all the various streaming platforms that are available to the masses. Catch us on streamer season wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah.
Yeah, so I uh, I like to use uh, football reference as, as a good tool to kind of look at a lot of these players because they also give you really good like in-depth stats. I would encourage anyone listening to this to look at Lewandowski's uh, football reference scouting report uh, because it breaks it into percentiles compared to other forwards. And he is in just about the 99th percentile in almost every single category you want to be in. Uh, you know, goals, of course, uh, non-penalty goals, penalty kicks made, penalty kicks attempted, uh, non-penalty expected goals, uh, shots total, shots on target, uh, penalty kicks attempted, expected goals, uh, touches the in the opposition box. I mean, everywhere you want him to be, goal-creating actions. Like, he is just constantly, constantly in the right areas, He's constantly winning aerial duels. He's such a threat from so many different ways. Obviously, he's going to you know, do most of his damage inside the box, but that's where you want your strikers to be. So that was Lewandowski's season. Uh, as far as the team success, it was not Bayern's most successful year ever, but they did have a very strong campaign. Uh, they win the league. They win the Super Cup. They win the Club World Cup as well. All, all big you know, achievements for them and, and what they were obviously aiming towards. Um, any like last thoughts on Lewandowski's season last year? So we're going to move in, I guess, reverse chronological order. Uh, we're going to move backwards here. This one is uh, uh, one near and dear to my heart. This is Mohamed Salah's 17-18 season. Uh, I promise that there's not homerism when I bring this one up. I think this is one of the best seasons that we've ever seen from a player. Uh, and again, I think his still not necessarily gotten the attention it deserved and when i started planning this episode out when i started planning the research out i was just looking through seasons i was looking at you know who was scoring lots of goals who's involved in lots of goals um this one has stuck out to me for the longest because obviously he breaks the premier league goal scoring uh record with this one uh it's just one of the iconic seasons i think that you know most especially the way he started this year will he's always going to be looked at favorably years down the line. I think we've really lost sight of how brilliant he is. And this season was a lot of fun to revisit. So if you're unaware, if you're uninitiated, I would definitely suggest watching all of them on YouTube. I would definitely suggest watching all of Liverpool's goals from this year because they they were, I think, one of the most exciting teams to watch in Europe. Uh, 32 league goals and 10 assists. That is, again, and it's... He had 10 assists this season, which, again, I think really gets forgotten a lot. Like that the, is The page on one has 11. Uh, so I think each page counts them different. I think one was a set piece assist, which some places count, some places don't. Like okay. if you touch the ball backwards and someone That's scores fair. it. Some sites are uh, you know, a little harsher with that. Uh, 32 goals and 10 assists is insane. 42 goal contributions in a league campaign is, I, I think, beyond the pale. His Champions League record this year, too, was absolutely unreal. 11 goals in the Champions League this season and four assists. That would be a good league campaign. Like, if, if your yeah. forward that you bought had 11 goals and four assists, that would be a pretty decent return. I think most people would be happy with that uh, from a starting, you know, uh, right winger or right forward. Uh, and he had that in the Champions League, which is obviously the most difficult competition you can ask to play for. Um Breaks the Premier League goal-scoring record, like I said, and it is just one of the best individual seasons I've ever seen. Dom, tell me a little bit about your perspective on Mo Salah's 17-18 season. Absolutely incredible. I mean, it's a shame what happened in the final of the Champions League um, because it always kind of leaves in, in, in the minds of Liverpool fans what could have been. But what he was able to do in the league was absolutely ridiculous too, man. I mean, man put four goals up on Watford. <laughs> It seemed like every other game he's scoring a brace or getting an assist. He's always, like like you said, he was plus six in his goal contributions to games ratio. Like So it's like every single time, aside from a few games, you can count the number of games on, your, on one hand, basically, when he wasn't involved in a goal scoring opportunity. So, I mean, it, it, it's absolutely ridiculous. I mean, he's... He, scored a goal in the FA Cup, if that's for anything. I mean, he had basically like 44 goals and 16 assists, you know, across all competitions, which is absolutely 60 goal contributions. It's crazy. It's it's a crazy figure. It is very Messi-like. It is very Ronaldo-like. It's one of the, again, all these seasons that we're going to talk about today are in that same kind of tier and that same kind of class. But 
I think what's interesting too about this is this is obviously during a big transition period for Liverpool in terms of them taking a step upwards. Uh, they had to play a qualifier to even get in the Champions League that year. There's obviously the whole Philip Coutinho drama, which most of law makes everyone kind of forget about. Uh, you know, by the time Coutinho leaves, it's no longer really a huge issue for Liverpool because uh, Mo Salah has, has just taken over in terms of uh, scoring. I think what's interesting, he only had one hat trick uh, and it was that Watford game that you mentioned where he had four goals, but he only had one hat trick this season. So he was just, again, just this, this beautifully efficient goal scorer. He's a high volume scorer as well, though. He, he does take lots of shots. He sees himself have lots of opportunities. Um, that's always been his bag and Liverpool's happy to create as many chances for him. Uh, this one was tough for his biggest moment. I had three <laughs> uh, that are just, and this happens with a lot of these players because it's hard sometimes to just pick one. The Watford game, I think, will always be remembered and will always be like a classic match shown. You like, oh, Mo Salah, like his four goals. Like everyone is going to think of that moment, I think, probably when they think of this season. Uh, but there's another one that, for me personally, I always thought has gone completely uh, underrepresented when we talk about great performances. His two goals and two assists versus Roma in the first leg of the se- Champions League semifinal. Two of his best goals, two fantastic assists. Like He absolutely dominates that game, and I would argue single-handedly knocks Roma out of the Champions League. Um, you add the drama, of course, that that's his former club. Like that's It's fantastic. And I would say... Another big moment that he has is early on in this season, he converts a penalty to put Egypt into the World Cup for the first time in over over two decades, almost three decades. Like that was a huge moment that he had. It was a decisive penalty in the 95th minute uh, to send them into the World Cup. Like that was a huge moment, and I I think he just hasn't looked back since. Like he yeah. just since that moment, uh, he's been happy to take these pressure spots, and he's become a big game player and. Yeah, I, th- I think this is one of the best seasons ever. Obviously, in terms of team success, there wasn't any. Uh, there was no tangible trophy this year, uh, which is, you know, an outlier in this group, right? Um, they don't win the league. They get to the Champions League final. And, and like you mentioned, Salah is obviously injured by Sergio Ramos. You know, it messes up his shoulder, which also derails his World Cup a little bit because he has to return late to that. Um, it's a disappointing end to that season but he kicks on obviously we know what happens in the seasons afterwards we know that he eventually does find success but yeah i think it is it, it does go a tier down i think if you were trying to rank these team success has to factor in somewhere and the fact that liverpool weren't able to win anything is slightly a bummer but i do think it's one of the best seasons we've ever seen and i just love to remind people that he broke the premier league goal scoring record a record that i i didn't think i would see bro- like getting broke like I I I think it's just a a fantastic thing that he's done and I don't see anyone breaking it anytime soon uh obviously that could change like you know who knows right but I just think it's 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 one of the great seasons yeah man I mean it kind of stamped his name into that upper echelon of players where you know now you know, you can count on him every day. He's always a threat, and he everybody wants him in his team. From a guy that was outcasted, you know, in the early parts of his career, this is a man that, you know, was at, at Chelsea and was one of those Chelsea players that just got sent off on loan, right? Ends up at Fiorentina. You know, has to, has to, I know, I, I'm sorry. Again, I'm going to rag on Fiorentina. But, you know, even then, like when he was at Fiorentina, they were kind of like that mid-table team, you know, not really going anywhere. People are like, you know, who is this guy? Goes to Roma, same thing, kind of the Mario lackluster. Yeah, yeah, very, very lackluster kind of deal. But you know, showed moments of brilliance. Liverpool signs him. Look what happens. The rest is history. So, I mean, you could, yeah. you, could you saw the same kind of Mo Salah in that route against Manchester United too. I mean, the man was everywhere. Yeah, was everywhere. he's just uh, he's really broken through. He's just what a the best players in the world no no argument about it and this was this is a season that we'll revisit a lot i think in the future uh let's move on to a guy that whose talent cannot be denied his off the field persona perhaps is very annoying uh it's Zlatan Ibrahimovic this is a season that i think in my mind i'd even forgotten a little bit when i went through and did this i was just looking across the big leagues in europe and just seeing who was like, you know, who had a really good goal scoring here? And Ibra was the first name that I, one of the first names I looked up because I was like, what's a good Ibra year? Like, what is Ibra's best season? 
It's the fifteen sixteen season, and this is uh this was his I think his peak year, one of his one of his best seasons ever, if not his best. Um, Dom, take this away a little bit. Just talk to me a little about Ebert's season. Let's start off with this: League One winner, French Cup winner, French League Cup winner, French Super Cup winner. PSG got knocked out in the quarterfinals, though, but I mean of the Champions League. But it's all right. Four trophies in a season, crazy. Um, just to kind of talk about PSG in this season, this may have been one of the best PSG teams we've ever seen. 96 points in 38 games. Lyon in second had 65. So I, I I looked it up too. That was PSG did set the record this season for most points recorded in Ligue 1 and Crazy. the best defense in Ligue 1 ever with only 19 goals conceded. That's yeah. insane. I, I know people love to slam, and obviously PSG have a huge advantage resource advantage over everyone else around them. There's no denying that. There's no hiding behind that. But the best defense I've ever seen was Chelsea in 0405 when they conceded 15 goals. And that scene is like, I don't know that that record will ever be beaten. 19 is like not far off of like, yeah. wow, that is genuinely insane. That is an insane in, number. That, that, in, in 38 games too, 102 goals for 19 against crazy. Crazy numbers. So Zlatan, you know, topped the league in goals, 38 goals in league on Lacazette had 21. So he had that by a margin. He was also just five behind the league leader in assists. He had 13. Uh, Di Maria had 18. Um, also Zlatan had five goals in the champions league, uh, which was just outside the top five, but he was also tied for fourth, but that was the second highest amount of assists in the champions league. Okay. Um, they did. You if it did give Zlatan an assist on an own goal. Um, but what I'm reading, the, let's talk about how great the season is. Zlatan has a page dedicated to it on his website. Wow, he so, is a man who loves to <laughs> indulge in his own so, ego. So because of that, I'm glad you said that. Listen to these extra statistics that they put in there. Okay, his first goal was on the 22nd of August in 2015 against Guignamp. Uh, he had 14 games scoring two or more goals. He had two hat tricks. Okay. Um, when Zlatan was in the starting 11, 39 wins, four draws, four losses. When Zlatan scored, 31 wins, two draws, no losses. When Zlatan didn't score, 10 wins, four draws, four losses. And when Zlatan didn't play at all, it was only seven games. PSG won six times and drew once. Okay. But to get into like the statistics, uh, he had 38 goals in the league. I think I already said this, right? Seven in the French Cup, five in the Champions League. He had quite a few assists as well. I think one of his best performances goal scoring wise, I think he scored four against Troy. I'm think I guess I'm I hope I'm saying that right. But PSG also won nine nil. So that's kind of like eh. he also uh there I guess there's two different Troy teams. Uh he scored a hat trick against the other one in a 4-1 win. But I think one of his best games may have been in the French Cup final against Marseille. He scores a brace and gets an assist. So he basically beats Marseille by himself. Um, this is an yeah. absolute – I mean, you know you know my my stance on Ibrahimovic. I mean, look at what's behind me. Uh, I, I can say nothing wrong about this guy. I, I cannot speak ill on his name. Uh when a lion is hungry, okay. watch out. We're not doing that. That's censored. I'm bleeping that one out. Uh, yeah, so he had 1.34 goals per 90 minutes in the league. That's just insane. That's, that is that is such a, a massive, massive number. It can't be overstated enough. Um, I, I had as his biggest moment, I, I had two of these here. I think Chelsea winning the Champions League, he was really, really good in that game. Zlatan's only blemish for his entire career and for this season is that the Champions League has never been a competition that he's really found himself dominating in. He's obviously been always been great in leagues. He's wherever he's gone, pretty much he's he's won league titles. Um, but yeah, his performance in the Champions League against Manchester City left a little something to be desired. He he misses a penalty. He has a one v one that he skies. He gets open for a header and doesn't quite get right. Like. He did have some moments that were not ideal in the Champions League, but, you know, let's be honest. It's still just an absolutely insane goal-scoring amount. I know that it is league on, and there's always going to be, like, the tax that you pay in, in 
playing in a league that is of lesser quality than some of the other big ones, of course, but I still think it's an insane number. Kylian yeah. Mbappe is widely recognized as you know a, a great upcoming star and a fantastic player, one of the best players in the world already, and has not reached these numbers yet. You know, like Neymar, not reaching these numbers. Like this is just a, like think of the guys that we think of the best now have not done this. I think one of the advantage he has is this was a really complete and I think well balanced PSG team. Uh, like you look back at this squad and it, it still has, I, I think just fantastic quality throughout some of the players, maybe, you know, are, were a little young, still had to develop like Marco Verratti. I think Mar this is early Marquinhos when he's still playing right back. Uh, this is Kevin Trapp years, you know, this is, <laughs> this is when they had a uh, Siragu still prime uh, Pastore. Prime Pastore, truly prime Pastore. Yeah. Uh, Tiago Mata, your favorite midfielder's favorite midfielder. Like they had like a really really fantastic squad. I did think they got a little unlucky with maybe not uh, going further in the Champions League, but that's still something that they're you know contending with now. Um, is this is this the year they had the uh, the camo jerseys? No, that no. was that was the year before. Because because I, if 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 I'm not mistaken, this year if and if not, it's the year previous the one where he scores that like kung fu back heel like yeah, kick, it's not like, that's not this season that, oh i did i watched God. every goal of his from this season yeah, it's not, it i was looking for it here this is the one where he has one of those absolutely insane he just takes a volley from 28 yards out and the oh, goalkeeper can't yeah. even move like yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. just a yeah. classic ebra goal where he just does he he finds him i know like he has built himself up to be this like unbelievable talent and oh my god like only one's latan kind of stuff there are things that he does that i don't know the only other player that i've seen that does some of the same same things as holland but even then is he doesn't have like Ibra has always had this like grace about everything he mm -hmm. does. Like a, a like truly like a I don't mean this as a, a negative. I truly mean this as a compliment. Like he is like a ballerina. Like his balance and composure with some of like his actions that he takes are unbelievable to watch. I think his like command over his own body is like fantastic. I, I just think as it's an the black athlete, belt in Taekwondo. I seriously like he is just I, I, I love watching him in the box because he always finds a way to make it work. He's like a true poacher, but he also has this flair that we love him for. Um, I found this while researching, which I think you're going to love, Dom. Do you know who the youngest player to score a hat-trick in Ligue 1 history is? You you have an attachment to this man. He's a French player. He has played for your favorite club before. Wait, wait, wait. Plays for my favorite club. He has. He has. Not he probably. has. The, the youngest... how, how how old are we talking? Like how long ago are we talking? Banter years. We all know the traditional big four sports, and we have our favorite teams and enjoy them each and every week during their seasons. But what if I told you the fastest growing sport on two feet doesn't involve football, baseball, basketball, or hockey? Come join me, Dom Ponteri, and Harrison Cremens as we break down the sport of the future each and every week on the Outside the Box podcast, talking all things pro and college lacrosse right here on the Underground Sports Philadelphia Podcast Network. Oh, Jeremy Menez. Jeremy Menez is the youngest player to score a hat-trick in Ligue 1 history. That's my guy. He was only uh, 17 years old in 260 days. Wow. In January of 2005. Well, I thought that was just a really fun stat uh, to, to read off because Jeremy Mendes, shout out to him. Youngest, yeah, great player. Hey, I think, hey, yeah. <laughs> yeah. honestly, really fun player to watch. I think hey. he, uh, maybe we'll do a Jeremy Mendes deep dive one day because <laughs> I, I loved watching him even, play. Even in those banter years, man, he was scoring. He was scoring crazy. So he kept, he kept you guys afloat. That's for sure. Yeah. Shall we move on to South America? Which one's it going to be? Uh, we're going to go to Luis Suarez. Yeah, we, got two, we got two of them. This one is perhaps contentious. And this one is interesting because I haven't said the year yet. So there's no way to know which. There are two seasons. And he might be the only person on this list that could have had two seasons within these top five. I think it's reasonable to say that there are two years that we really think of when we think of Luis Suarez. I am talking about his 2015-16 season. I think he often gets remembered more for his 13-14 season with Liverpool, which was fantastic, and I did debate on putting in. But the more I looked 
as much as I love and revere that 13-14 season, it does not, it frankly, it does not hold a candle to this year. He's not a one-man show this season because he. this is the peak of MSN, Messi, Suarez, and Neymar front three, one of the best front threes I've ever seen in my life. This is the peak of their powers coming off a Champions League win, no pressure on them anymore. And Luis Suarez goes absolutely nuclear, 40 goals in the league with 16 assists in the league alone. He has 56 goal contributions. It is a disgusting number. It is filthy. <laughs> that is Messi-esque. And when I said that there was another player we talk about that I think has the right to be considered one of the best non-Messi, non-Ronaldo players along with Lewandowski, it is Luis Suarez. And I think he is one of the only, he might be the only player that has ever touched that tier of Ronaldo and Messi. Lewandowski's been close, but Suarez and his creative ability and the fact that you can... He carried that Liverpool team in 13-14, which is why it gets revered so much. He was such an integral part to that system when they built around him. There are very, very, very few players in history that can do what Luis Suarez could do. And I think he's one of the very, very few players that we will ever say got even close to Ronaldo and Messi production. He's a, Six hat-tricks. Six hat-tricks. Six hat-tricks. So just to read his total numbers, I already mentioned he had 40 goals in the league with 16 assists. He had eight goals in the Champions League with three assists. Uh, the Copa del Rey had five goals and one assist. Overall, all competitions for his club this season, 55 goals and 24 assists. That's just disgusting. He, he, had, a, he had some good international games in there, too. Like, he, it is just one Nutty. of the best individual seasons ever. I mean, I, I don't know how to, to argue it any other way. I know we love the 13-14 season. I lo- know we love the Norwich goals. But this is just absolute clinic every single week. He's just putting teams away, dusting him. Not to mention, too, it is one of the most competitive La Liga races that we had. You know, he, he's doing it on a big stage. He's doing it to beat Real Madrid to the title. And it is just a joy to watch. Tell me your feelings on Luis Suarez's uh, season, Dom. This was getting to a time where some people were starting to doubt Suarez a little bit. You know, like you like you said, it is peak MSN, right? You're still playing in Barcelona with Neymar and Messi. This is one of the best teams in the world. But at the same time, people are like, you know, Suarez is kind of getting a little older. He's kind of, you know, does he still got it? And, and you know, he does this. He just can't be stopped. Um and I mean, when you have two games, you score back-to-back games with four goals in each game. Back-to-back games. Back-to-back games. Crazy. And they're it's three days. Numbers. They're three days apart. He played on April twentieth and then April twenty-third and scored four goals in each game. It's truly video game number stuff. Like it, it when you go through and just just look at the numbers. Don't even you don't even have to watch the highlights yet. Fourteen goals in five games. That was that was my season. big 14 stat. Goals. That was my big stat. Yeah, to close out the season, he has fourteen goals in his last five, which again gets Barca the title because they had to go down the wire with Real Madrid in those last few games. They had a rough period in that like uh, March April uh, time period, you know, where they they were dropping points. He, they had to win pretty much every game out. And he puts up 14 goals in his final five. Just a truly disgusting amount of, like, just carrying having there. Um, yeah, like, uh, the game against Deportivo La Coruña, uh, four goals and three assists in a 9-0 win. Everything. He did everything. That would be, I mean this. I mean this. That would be difficult to do in a video game. Yeah. Like that would be yeah. a challenge to do it with one player to get four goals and three assists is even, not easy. Even, even it, it's, it's the computer, it's hard. It's tough. <laughs> it's it's like I said, it's one of the best individual seasons ever. Uh, I I just think it's it's the peak of his powers. Obviously, Luis Suarez is not a perfect man. He's not a perfect player. He's done bad things <laughs> there. But the thing is, he is, and I I don't like to use cliches when I talk about sports too much. He wants it every single game. And that manifests itself in negative ways sometimes. We've seen him do dumb things. We've seen him say bad things, right? We know that. We know that he's not perfect, and that has to be mentioned. But I've never seen a player that just has it. 
He has an edge that you rarely see. You rarely see in players, period. And he has an edge that you you rarely even see in the top players. This man lives and dies with winning every game. It's why he's such a scary person to have at Atletico Madrid because that's the he's the he fits that style so well. And he's still proving that he's still got it. Right. So crazy. The, the biggest moment for Luis Suarez. It's hard to to pick exactly. I had. It was between his hat-trick on the final day, which essentially seals the title for Barcelona. Obviously a big performance. And the four goals and three assists, like I mentioned, against Deportivo, because that is just one of the best. I mean, that is just most people's peak of their career right there. Four goals and three assists in a game is insane. Uh, Barcelona, they win the league this year, as well as the Copa del Rey. The, uh, they won the Club World Cup, as well as the UEFA Super Cup. They didn't have a, a great time in the Champions League. Of course, they get knocked out by Atletico Madrid, um, who go on to, to lose it, but <laughs> that's fine. I just think it's it's one of the best seasons ever, and I, I urge people to go back and, and revisit this season because it is one for the history books. I think it is, I think it is the best non-Ronaldo Messi season um, it's hard to contend with the Lewandowski one, but I just think from a goal contribution aspect, Suarez was on just a completely different level to to, to anyone. I, I think this is one of the best seasons ever. Yeah. Shall we turn the page? Literally. The, it's funny because 2015-16 was just an, a happening year. You know, you had Ypres' year, you had Suarez's year. And now we move to Italy where you have Gonzalo Higuain uh, with his Napoli season. Dom, tell me a little bit about this year. I, first off, Napoli finished second in, in an absurd year where, you know, they had 82 points and you think they have the league wrapped up and, and Juventus comes and scores an absurd 91 points to take the, take the uh, Scudetto from them. Um, this was uh, Maurizio Sarri's first year. So it was Sarri ball in Italy. At a, at a bigger club on the main stage. And, I mean, Iguain kind of showed why. I mean, Gonzalo Iguain breaks the 66-year record that was held in Serie A for goals uh, for, what was it, six or 33 goals or something like that? or uh, 35. Right? 30, okay, 35. Um, and, and it was just, you can't write this kind of stuff up. Like how you were just talking about Suarez – um, scoring a hat trick in the final day to win Barcelona the title, he scores a hat trick on the final match day of the season to break the record. And, and one of the best goals ever, too. Uh, just an awesome. He controls it with his chest at the top of the box and kind of overhead volleys it into the top corner for a hat trick for like the the goal scoring record on the final match day it is truly like chef kiss kind of moment mm -hmm. like write it in a sports book write it in a sports movie kind of moment like wow that is a, a true exclamation point on the season and you're talking about a true number nine in 42 games in the entire season he had 38 goals he did get three assists and i think those assists came in big games because when when you when you look at the stats um you know a game where they beat Juventus 2-1. He got a goal and set up the other goal. Um, when you're talking about, you know, a game where they beat Inter 2-1, he scores both goals. Uh, let me – I've got a couple so other on, ones on that Juventus just, game. Just on the Juventus game. I So I, for my two biggest moments, you, you hit on them already. I was between the Frozenone, you know, hat trick final day of the season, I think is the biggest moment because he gets the record with that, and that's just – it's fantastic. That's that's kind of the highlight reel they'll play of that season. They will play that last goal whenever they talk about Higuain. But I did have that Juventus game because he has a goal and an assist in that game, and I think it was very vintage Higuain. Obviously, now he's at an advanced age, and he's actually doing pretty okay in Inter-Miami now, but you know, he's the years have caught up to Higuain, of course. We forget what an agile player he was, that this man used to have real speed. Uh, that he was a threat on the ball. Like, he beats a defender uh, in this Juventus game, which is not something we've seen from him in a, since then, really. Like, he, he was playing at truly just a different kind of yeah. pace, a different kind of level this year. He's, he's still able to beat guys off the dribble, but he still has the same positional awareness that we see from him now, where it's like the guy just knows exactly where to be. 
uh, he has a beautiful layoff in that game as well uh, to set up a goal. Like he just has a great understanding of where is a number nine to position yourself to have the best out like impact on a team. And this is a guy that held his own playing with Cristiano Ronaldo and Kareem Benzema. Like he he wherever he went from the moment he started has had high expectation placed on him, and he delivered. He's one of the very few players that was a teenage prodigy and delivered on that and delivered on it. I think in a big, big way, I think Higuain's legacy will improve as the years go on. I think he's someone will kind of look back on maybe a a little more favorably. He obviously didn't do himself some favors with some of his attitude issues later on when he was at Milan and some of the outbursts that he had. Um, But this was an all timer season. I mean, this is also a crazy Napoli team when you think about it. And, yes. and the names don't always stand out because some of these players were younger. Uh, the names that you you think with Napoli, like Insignia and Koulibaly, they were both 25. You know, so they, they, they're younger. They weren't even, I think, starting for the team at the time. You know, but you've got the na- likes of Mertens, Hamshik, Christian Maggio, Higuain, Jorginho, Callejon, Alan. <laughs> They get the whole podcast hosted by Stephen McAvoy and John Mavalia. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Get In The Whole Pod and be on the lookout for a ton of great content keeping you up to date on the world of golf. Releasing weekly a part of the Underground Sports Philadelphia family of podcasts wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Like just- so Gulam in his in his absolute pomp. I think this yeah. is Merton's pre like moving central too. This is when Mertens was still very much a winger and yeah. not not moving centrally where he ends up having, you know, a fantastic time of it, um, which is one of, I think, Maurizio Sarri's best moves uh, that he's ever done is, is converting him. But yeah, so I, I think this was a really fun team that, and, and you just moved me to my next point. This was a really high attacking team too. They had the second most goals in the league. They were also shot happy. They took 244 shots on target, which was the most in the league. Uh, Higuain himself had 83 of them. Uh, this is a guy that was was happy to put it on target every chance that he got. Um, yeah, I, I compared this in my notes to, to Lewandowski's season because, yes, like he is not the all-around player that maybe some of these other names on the list are, but... He broke a, a long-standing record that I think a lot of people probably didn't think would ever be broken and just knows where to be. He just yeah. has a habit of knowing where to be and and how to score goals, and that is just a skill in of itself, something that a lot of times can't even be taught. Um, so Gonzalo Higuain in the 15-16 season. I mean, he, Juventus went out and spent, like, what, $90 million on him. Just to get him off of Napoli, <laughs> so they didn't have to contend with it. They saw this season. We're like, we're not doing that. We're we're not having that. We're not having that. Yeah, look how that worked out. That <laughs> uh, it stopped Napoli from winning yeah. a title, probably. Yeah, I, yeah, know? that's true. That's true. <laughs> I mean, I think that I think that if Iguain stayed in Sarri's system, he probably would have had another good year or two, um, because moving to Allegri's system. Yeah, Juventus, I mean, first off, you know, Allegri likes his younger players. Um, you play, you, he, he slowly, as the years went on, uh, you know, got less and less playing time. People started to make jokes, including myself, about the weight he was gaining and things like that. And, and you know. Uh, it's not good to body shame, Dom. I, I'm, I'm, I've learned my lesson. That was old me, not the new me. Um, but, uh it's a shame that he didn't continue that run of good form, in my opinion, uh, for longer. Uh, it was kind of like that, like, hey, I'm going to do this, and then kind of disappeared. Um, you know, I don't know what disappearing is because, you know, he kept winning trophies with Juventus. But um, it's it wasn't like like we were talking about right before the show, and you mentioned it earlier. You know, he still had that quickness to him. He still had that like young Gonzalo at, at Real Madrid kind of kind of speed and pace and, and and style to his game, and then as the years started, you know, going on going on, he had to kind of change his game up and and, and he kind of struggled with that a little bit. And and I think that I think that Allegri had a little bit to do with that. This was his, his age twenty seven season, and typically for forwards, 
age 27 to 29 is your peak years. Um, the following season, I mean, he has 24 goals for Juventus. They obviously win the title. And, you know, that was another interesting race at the top. Uh, just to talk about that 16-17 season, Juventus, another 91-point season. Roma finished second with 87 and Napoli with 86. Um, finished second. That's, and then that's weird. the 17-18 season, Juventus with 95 points and Napoli with 91. That was, like, the real that's arms the race. Yeah. That was the real arms race where, like, wow, like, that one was was one where it just went down the wire, and uh, those were like the, the classic games. Napoli, unfortunately, kind of melted away in that title challenge. I don't like to be too harsh on them, but they did have a chance to win that title at the end. It is just interesting to think if Higuain stays, you know, maybe that looks a little different. I think Napoli yeah. probably do win one of those titles. I think ultimately they did miss having someone so reliable of a goal scorer uh, like that, and I think some of those draws that they had late in that season or some of those losses – Maybe are different with him, but who knows? It's all it's all in the past, right? But I hope I hope people enjoyed that part of the episode. We're gonna talk about some other stuff still, but you know it's not over. But it, uh, I think this was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed looking backwards and just looking at these great seasons because I think we you know you have to talk about them so you remember them. I, Do you I have any I, honorable mentions? So some of the honorable mentions. So initially I was like, let me just look at the Ballon d'Or, and but the problem with that is it's so political. It is so much just like narrative driven rather than just stats. None of these players, by the way, were up for like the top three in the Ballon d'Or, like, which is insane to me. And it's, it's hard because you're contending with Ronaldo Messi. So already two spots every year for the last 10 years have been taken, ex except for one. There was one year where Messi fell out, but already you have to be like, undoubtedly the third best and have a narrative going for you like Manuel Neuer makes it one year because of his World Cup performance it's kind of like oh you're just you've just been so great we're gonna have you be as the third best um like it's just tough it's it's tough to be so you know like if you if you come yelling at me about Frank Ribéry not being on the on the list I'm very sorry if you if you're yelling at me about like a Robin Van Persie season I'm very sorry uh like there's lots of great years and there's lots of great strikers. There's lots of great forwards. And I'm very, very sorry. Kareem Benzema, maybe you make the case, could be one of these years. Sure. Dom, you're raising your hand. It's not stats-driven. And, and I understand that this is narrative-driven. You've already talked about the Ballon d'Or, but Luka Modric. Okay, so here's the thing. That's why I said, in the future, I think it would be great to do a midfielder episode. And I think we could absolutely do that, and I'd put the time in. The problem is, how do you compare Luka, Luka Modric to a Luis Suarez, you know, 70-goal contribution season? I get that Luka Modric is one of the – he's one of the best midfielders I've seen in my life. But that is a deep dive episode. This is just a let's have fun and talk. Like, yeah, because when you because exactly like when you look at all the players we talked about, right? We're talking crazy stats. We're talking guys that are scoring four goals in games. We're talking guys about guys that score back to back goals with four games. If you look at you know the 17-18 season, which is the season leading up to Modric winning the Ballon d'Or, he had two goals and eight assists. That's it. You know, right. it's, it, it's it, not, it, and it, I don't it, want to make it, it seem like it's all goals and assists with him. And that's what has, yeah, to it's, it's the first, it's when you watch football, Modric you watch gets the, the Ballon d'Or because of his performance of the world cup, which yeah. was spectacular. He was fantastic in there. Gives it his all. He gets that award mostly because of that run. And because Madrid have obviously just come off, uh, that was their third straight champions league. Like, of course, like of course, he's. A, I do not want to make it seem like I have a, an anti Modric, uh, Modric agenda. No, I don't. I don't. <laughs> but it's just for me. If I'm talking about the best individual performances, it is these guys. We always trend towards the attackers because it is much harder to find someone that can give you 50 goal contributions in a season as opposed to, and it's not easy to find what Modric gives you, but. I, I, th I think that's that's worthy of its own episode. It's worthy of its own discussion, talking about some of these. Because Virgil van Dijk, I think, has one of the best seasons I've ever seen from a defender and should have won that Ballon d'Or, in my opinion. He was very close in the votes, too, to Messi. Like, how do you compare a Virgil van Dijk season to the season before Mosul yeah. breaking the goal score? Like, how do you actually sit down and compare those two and, and like, contextualize comparing a defender to an attacker or even a midfielder to act, an attacker? It's and, and very that's, difficult. 
that's always that, especially that season where what you just talked about, uh, kind of brought up that discussion where it was like, how do you how do you compare defenders to attackers? How can you give an award for the best footballer in the world when it, it it's just so hard to take three different, four different, if you consider goalkeepers too, you take four different positions at, or or areas on the on the field and try to compare them, and they do different things. Right. You know, if, if, if you have 17 clean sheets and, and nobody dribbles past you in a season compared to 80 goal contributions in a season, you know, how do you how do you rate that? It doesn't it right. doesn't make any sense. That is the challenge. And some of these awards, too, we have to remember are also team based. Right? Like Frank Ribery, I think the thing gets lost in that entire. I, I remember being a big controversy at the time. It's because Byron had just won a treble, and they were fantastic, and Ribéry was was fantastic that year, but could not hold a candle to the output that Messi and Ronaldo were putting. Like, he just wasn't. He just was not. He was great, and in any other year, Ribéry probably wins that that Ballon d'Or, right? If Ronaldo and Messi don't exist, I think that's a fun exercise. It's already been done by lots of people where, you know, there's no, you can't have repeating Ballon d'Or winners every year. It's, you know, whoever came in second or third or whatever actually gets to win it and seeing how things change. But that's what it is, right? I, I think these guys, I'm happy with the list we came up with. I think it, it is in terms of indi- individual performances, the, you know, some of the best five. I'm willing to concede that I would be open to discussion on some other names, but I think, I think we got it good. I think we yeah. made some good choices. I agree. Let's just talk briefly about the international breakdown because, you know, there there obviously is some some moving and shaking going on here. Serbia beats Portugal in the last minute uh, to guarantee Serbia's qualification to the World Cup. Portugal now have to go through the playoff system. This was in Portugal, too. Uh, it certainly put a lot of pressure on Portugal now to, to actually go through. Uh, it seems like we could be having one one more big, big nation missing the World Cup when you see some of these other names. So that's interesting. That's going to be obviously a talking point. Uh, that's not until March, I believe, is the, the World Cup playoffs. Um, our, uh, our Missouri dropping, uh, dropping to the playoffs today. Uh, they don't get the results. Switzerland does. Jorginho had the chance to put them through. He does not. I think it's... I don't mean this in a laughing at Jorginho way. I just simply do think it's funny that no one could stop talking about how he's never missed a penalty, and he's now missed like five in the last year, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, and uh, some of them in big spots. So Italy now have to go through the playoffs, and that's that's big because when you see Portugal already in there, we'll see what happens with Netherlands tomorrow. They could be in the mix. All of a sudden, you have some really big dogs in there that you'd like to avoid if you're Italy, and they could go from winning the European Championships to not qualifying for the World Cup within ten months. I mean, not even you know a, a full year. It's actually year. it's actually kind of crazy that if you that that you don't get like a World Cup automatic bid for winning the tournament that you know is your continental tournament. It's kind of it's just kind of odd. You to get me, to go you know? to the Confederations like, Cup, Dom. So. Oh, excuse me, the Confederations Cup. Like, I, I, oh, I just think if you, if you, if you, if you, if you win the comp, if you win, what's that? The Gold Cup is that the Gold Cup? It? Yeah, yeah. If you win the Gold Cup, if you win Afcon, if you win Euros, uh, like I feel like that should give you the bid. Take it, take it up with FIFA, my friend. I'm not against you here. Uh, other teams that have already qualified uh, during this international break window include France, Belgium, Brazil, Croatia, Spain. England and Switzerland all through uh, so far this week. They join teams that have already gone through. Obviously, Qatar, who are hosting somehow, uh, already are qualified because the host nation now gets that pre-qualification. Germany and Denmark have already wrapped up their qualification back in October. Uh, Germany has been absolutely steamrolling through some teams in this international break so far. They've They've really... The shackles have been off for them, and they've been playing very free <laughs> this past week. Uh, lots of goals scored there. Uh, so that's how the international break is shaping, shaping up so far. There's some some big qualifiers still left to see, and you know we'll have some more big names, I'm sure, that'll have to go through playoffs to, to make to the World Cup, which, by the way, is in a little over a year from now, uh, which is an insane thought because we are indeed having a Winter World Cup somehow. <laughs> that's... <laughs> Certainly going to be an experiment. Um, 
let's look forward to, to, to something maybe a little more happy. Uh, this weekend, we have some big games to look forward to. Liverpool and Arsenal, which all of a sudden has become a game with you know, title implications. I don't know, like at the very least champions league implications, uh, Arsenal have been moving forward, I think very well and have obviously gotten some good results. Amos Smith Rowe, a big part of that, but we will see. This is, this is a true test for them against Liverpool. Liverpool going to the international break, obviously after losing to West Ham, very much looking forward to, I think playing again and getting a chance to redeem themselves. Leicester and Chelsea as well, another big game to look forward to in the Premier League this week. It's really all about Italy, though, for me this week here because we've got Lazio and Juventus. Always, I, I think that's that's going to be a really good one, unless it's another boring 1-0 Juventus game, which it most certainly could be. Fiorentina, AC Milan, that's going to be a lot of fun. Fiorentina, unfortunately, a little shorthanded because of some suspensions they sustained uh, right before the break. And Inter Milan and Napoli. That's going to be a great one to Big watch game as well. There. That's the game that, of the weekend. I, I would say so. You know, I, I do think that is probably the biggest one. Is that besides obviously your your own rooting interest, that has to be the game you're most looking forward to watching, right? Oh, yeah, so, of course. Yeah, of course. I mean, it yeah, does I, have implications on your on your title challenge. So, no, I mean, the Lazio Juventus game, like you said, I, I have this feeling it could be boring. Uh, you're talking about two teams that have been inconsistent, two teams that sometimes struggle to, to, to find goals or like they depend on specific players to come through for them. Um, so if the other team game plans against them, it, it, it can you know become a snooze fest. But I know that Inter-Napoli game is going to go back and forth. If the Milan-Inter game was anything to get a baseline for, I think Inter-Napoli is going to be the same exact way. Um, uh, I'm excited to to watch Fiorentina and Milan. I know you, you I know who you're going to be rooting for. So, I may I may expect a cheeky little text if Milan concedes a goal. <laughs> but um, you know, some some you know, Milan has a couple injuries they're dealing with too. They're dealing with the Frank Kessie drama still. Uh Renato Sanchez has been rumored uh to be the replacement if they do decide to sell Kessie. So, it is a it, it kicks off this weekend kicks off a big week for Napoli I, I think in terms of you know we're gonna see really uh, what Napoli's made up because yeah. they have Inter this weekend uh, then Lazio Sassuolo and Atalanta that's a, a a pretty serious lineup over the next you know few weeks and I think it's, we'll we'll learn a lot about Napoli. It's been the biggest criticism of Napoli you know uh, that they've had this start to the season and you know comparing who they've played to comparing who is tied with them for first has played, you know, it's kind of like, uh, you know, they haven't been tested yet. So, so, you know, the next few games are definitely, like you said, going to be the ones that, that show the true colors of this Napoli team. Yeah. I think it's fair to say they haven't had quite the most difficult season, but Hey, you can only beat who's in front of you. Everyone has to play the same teams and that's, it is what it is. And there's something to be said for beating the teams that you should. That is ultimately what great title winners do is they don't drop points against the teams that they shouldn't, which Napoli, so far this year, have done a very good job of. But that is it for this week. I hope you enjoyed this fun little international break episode. Uh, In the future, hey, maybe we'll do a a best midfielders of the last decade kind of episode. Not going to lie, though, it's just going to be a a Xavi and Iniesta suck fest. So (laughs) maybe we'll have to exclude those two from that list. this was enjoyable for me, Dom. I hope I hope you enjoyed it as well. I hope the listeners enjoyed it as well. Dom, anything to plug? Anything you'd like to say? Um, follow me on Twitch, uh, twitch.tv slash a hairy eight. Um, also, be on the lookout. I'm venturing into a new uh, a new realm on Instagram with my girlfriend. We're starting a cooking page, and anybody who knows me or has followed me on Twitter at Wash Lifestyle. Um, knows and has seen the pictures. Um, it's going to be called Kitchen DM. So, you know, slide in the DMs and, and see what's cooking. Uh, that is probably going live tomorrow around like noontime. So if you check it out um, tomorrow night or, you know, whenever you get the chance, make sure you click a follow. See if you like what's coming. we got a lot of content coming. I can personally attest to Dom being a fantastic cook and chef. Uh, so if you are looking to step your your cooking game up, I would say not because he's my best friend and not because we have a podcast together. He, he is a good person to learn from if you're looking for some tips. So Now, all the recipes will be posted alongside with them, with the videos. So 
Wow. What a guy. Until next week, I hope you enjoy this weekend. I hope you enjoy the rest of the international break. I hope if you're a Dutch listener, everything goes well for you tomorrow up the orange. Uh, until then, we will see you next week to talk about this weekend's actions. See you later. Have a safe time. Be friends with everyone. I like that.